Hey, this is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church in South Florida. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for connecting with us, and we hope this message encourages you and connects you vertically to God. Enjoy the message. I am excited about this series entitled The Fear of God. Anybody brought your Bibles? I want to see them. Did you bring your Bibles? A church of Christians who bring their Bibles to church. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm, I'm happy about that. Some of you, when I say it, you're, you're kind of like avoiding it every Sunday. And I say, did you bring your Bibles? You're like, yeah. And you don't even have a Bible. I'm telling you, God sees you. So uh, my conscience as a pastor is clean and clear before the Lord. So one day, if you get to heaven and they ask you, why don't you read your Bible? You can't say your pastor didn't teach you. Okay. Uh, uh, we're really wanting to get the word of God active and alive in people's hands. And so um, even though it's great to have it on our devices, which is obviously you can use that as well, I really want uh, a generation of believers who are biblically literate, which means they know how to open the Bible, they know how to read the Bible, they love it and embrace it. Uh, And if power and electricity is out, you still got your Bible with you, right? Uh, So um, that's why I keep emphasizing that. If you have your Bibles, go to James 4. You can also kind of put a little marker in Psalm 89 and Hebrews 12, because I'm going to be going to a lot of verses. We're going to start off in James 4, then Psalm 89, then Hebrews 12. Now this series, this series, The Fear of God, I've been praying a lot for this series. Um, This has been kind of burning in me for some time in my heart. Um, Those of you, and, and and, and one of the things I've been praying for, by the way, is for receptive hearts, receptive hearts. Can anybody say receptive? Uh, because a lot of you, actually most of you know me or you've been here for a while, so you know my heart and I think that you could receive it well because you know I love you and and I care about you as a pastor. Um, If you're newer and you don't know me, then you might have to give me a little bit of the benefit of the doubt even though you don't know me yet and trust or ask the Holy Spirit to give you discernment to know whether it's in love. And the reason I say that is because um, I believe the message and the heart of this series and this message from God's word, the response can be varied. The response from people can be uh, defensive. Um, A response to this message can be indifferent, which is kind of like, ah, who cares, right? The response can be even, I think think even bothered. Like, like why the heck do you have to come and tell us this, right? Um, or, Or it could be receptive and even lead to a repentant response. Does that make sense? So I've been praying for the latter. I've been praying for a receptive, maybe even repentant response. Does that make sense? Um, As a pastor for many years, I've been able to discern that many people have accepted Jesus as their savior, but haven't really placed them and received him as their Lord. Are you with me? Because who doesn't want a savior? We're all in need of saving because we're sinful and we need forgiveness and we need to be saved. And everybody kind of recognizes that. So everybody says, yes, I need Jesus as my savior. But I don't know that everybody has really come to a point where they've said, not only is Jesus my savior, but Jesus is my Lord. Which is another way of saying my boss, my owner, the one I live for, the one I depend on. And so that's the question. Why are there so many people who have Jesus as their savior, but not as their Lord? And I believe it has to do with, guess what? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. I have found that it is possible. This is kind of the premise of the series. It is possible for a person to believe in God and to love Jesus and yet have no fear of God. 
Uh, I give God thanks for John Bevere, who's a Christian author who wrote a book called The Awe of God, which helped inspire this for me. I interviewed him a couple times on a, uh, a Veil podcast talking about leadership in this book. And, uh, and I just pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us in these next couple of weeks to a place where we begin to understand the fear of God. The title of today's message is What is Fear of God? And uh, can we pray? Because, because it could be the best seed, the best seed, but if the soil is not fertile and good, uh, there will be no growth and there will be no fruit. So I wanna pray for the soil. Lord, I pray for the soil of every heart in this auditorium, connected online or listening or watching at any time. And I pray that the seeds of truth from your word would land on good soil and that your Holy Spirit would water it, and that your presence would, would uh, shine on it, Lord. And I pray that those seeds would, would produce fruit, that it would grow and, and that it would be fruitful in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Let's start off in James 4. James 4, I want to focus in on one verse, which is verse 8. James 4, 8, by the way, we'll have all the verses up on the screens if you're ever a little behind getting there or if you don't have a Bible. James 4, 8, look what James writes. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Come on, say it with me. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Question. According to this verse in James, who moves first? We move first. Now, now, now say this, say this, I move first. <laughs> According to James 4.8, there is something that we do that will literally cause the one who placed the stars in heaven and knows them by name to come near to us. Think about that for a second. According to James, you and not God are the one who determines the level of proximity in your relationship with God. Many people mistakenly think or assume, oh, well, he was born into a, a family. He, he, was, he was destined to be close to God or, or she's just special because that's what God had for her. No, 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 no. If he or she is close to God, it's because they've made a clear decision because when you draw near to God, God draws near to you. Here's my first point today. People who are close to God are close to God because they chose to be, not because they were born to that family, not because they have this type of blood or this is their personality or because God just favors them more than me. No, it's because they have chosen to be close to God. And can I add this? It's important to acknowledge that God loves it when we draw close to him. He loves it when we wanna be close to him. That's why right there in James 4 in the same chapter, verse five, a couple of verses ahead, verse five, it says, or do you think that the scriptures say in vain the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously for us. He is more passionate about being close to you than you are about being close to him. Now here is a God who wants to be so close with us, passionately desires our fellowship. Here's the question, then why are so many believers distant from God? You know, people ask, ask us as pastors all the time, how do I get closer to God? And let me tell you today, there's gotta be one foundational factor in our life for us to actually be close to God. Without this one foundation, it doesn't matter how much God wants to be close to you or how much you wanna be close to God, it can't happen without this uh, 
prerequisite foundation, okay? And it says it in many verses. I want to take you to two of them. Go, go to Leviticus 10. Leviticus is the third book in the Bible. Oh, this is a church where they actually read the Bible, huh? Yeah, praise God, we read it. Leviticus is the third book, the third book in the Bible. And I want you to see, we're going to highlight this factor. This is the foundational factor. I think the title of the series kind of gives it away. Leviticus chapter 10 Verse three, Moses is talking to Aaron here and they're talking a little bit about, about and God's telling them what is needed and required for people to be close to him. And it says in Leviticus 10, three, and Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke. Who spoke? The Lord saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. Check it out. God says, anybody who's gonna come near for them, I have to be what? Holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. So we see very clearly here, God says, by the way, start going to Psalm 89. Start going to Psalm 89 so you can highlight something else. Be productive in your Bible today. God says, for anybody to be close to me, I must be holy and I must be glorified in their lives. In other words, if, if I am not holy in a person's life, if I am not glorified in their life, I'm, they're not gonna be close to me. Psalm 89, Psalm 89, verse seven. Check this out. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Pause. God is greatly to be what? Feared, where? In the assembly of the saints, depending on your version, in the gathering of believers and to be held in reverence by all those around him. Do you see it? God is to be held in reverence by who? By anyone who's going to be close or around him. Can I give you a really big line right here? There's gonna be a big line right here in your notes, okay? You will never find God's manifest presence in an atmosphere where he is not reverenced. Have you ever been somewhere and felt, oh, there is something here. Oh, that means that there's some reverence for God there. Have you ever been somewhere and you're like, I don't feel anything. Listen, not only as a pastor throughout the years have I been able to travel, but I was lead singer of a Spanish Christian band for about 20 years. And we traveled a lot of South America, a lot of Central America, a little bit in the, in the Caribbean, and a lot of the United States of America. We were in, in uh, churches with auditoriums of thousands churches with 20 and 30. We were in stadiums and arenas in, in Latin America of over 100,000 and 50,000. And we were in, in, in smaller <laughs> outdoor, you know, and local churches. We were everywhere. And it's crazy that there were some massive events with thousands of people where God's manifest presence was evident and thick and real. And some big thousands, uh, you know, stadium events where it, there, there was... Couldn't feel it. And the same thing, some of 15 and 20 people where it was a powerful anointing and manifest presence and some with 15 and 20 people where it wasn't. Now, is, is it, what, like, what is it? Is, it? is it the day of the month? Is it, is it, you know, is it the cologne that the pastor wears? Is it, you know, is it, you know um, how much they know? The, the way I like to say it is this, no reverence, no presence. And, and by the way, I'm not talking about God's omnipresence. 
God's omnipresence is that he is everywhere at all times. His omnipresence is everywhere at all times. I'm talking about God's manifest presence when he delights and says, I am going to show myself to my people because they revere me and they hold me as holy and I am glorified in their presence. And there is something about that that opens the door for God, not just omnipresence, which means he's everywhere, but his manifest presence. question is, why in some yes, why in some no? It's the fear of God. Think about this. Think about this. If, if you're sitting across a table with somebody and every time you talk to them, they're kind of like folding their arms, looking up and talking to the person next to you while you're trying to talk to them. Like every time you do it, are you going to keep talking to them? No, because it kind of seems like they what? They're not too interested in what you have to say. Agreed? What, 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 think about this. What if, what if you go to your neighbor's house and every time you go to your neighbor's house, you knock and then they open the door and go, oh, it's you again. <laughs> and then, you know, just kind of walks away. <clears throat> Are you going to keep going? No, because it seems like what? It seems like, ah, they're really not too interested. Does that make sense? Um, <laughs> confessions of a pastor. Um, one of the things that, that irks me one of the things that ugh, gets under my skin, and I have, to, I have to give this to the Lord sometimes, especially because I have to learn that, that, I, that I'm not coming. It's not about the people. It's about the enemy who doesn't want people to receive what God has for them. But, but it, I, I, I can't stand when people don't come to God's house with reverence uh, or a place where it's supposed to be like, you know, like, like a worship or time for the Lord. And, and, you know, and people are like, oh, you know, kind of distracted or, you know, kind of like, oh, yeah, what's it? You know, kind of looking around and, you know, like, like treating it like anybody, anywhere else. This is like, this is we're worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. One thing that irks me, you know, and, 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 and I, know, I know that every generation has their thing. In my generation, we had our thing when I was a youth, but, but when, when students come in with, with, with earbuds in their ear, oh, there's something in me that just like, there's something, and, and, and I love them, I love them, I love them, but they don't realize that the statement that they're making is, I don't care what anybody has to say, I don't even know why I'm here, and this, you know, this is so stupid, and I'd rather be doing my own thing, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, touch them. Holy Spirit, I got an itch on my shoulder. Holy, Holy Spirit, touch them. And then I realize a lot of times their parents didn't teach them the fear of the Lord because their parents don't fear the Lord. And so this is an issue that goes beyond. And so I have to learn, man, I, I have to love them. Even though something in me wants to say, who oh, you think you are, you little punk? Like, like, but it's out of love because I want the best for, for you. Like if, my, if any of my kids ever did that, oh my goodness. But we've been teaching our kids the fear of the Lord. That doesn't mean they're perfect. But I'll tell you one thing they fear. They fear the Lord. And they fear mom and dad too. In a good way. In a good way. God will never come into a place where he is not held in reverence and respect. We might think we're doing something for him. Let me tell you something. If the president of this nation walked onto this platform here today, he would likely get 10 times more attention, respect, and reverence than any of us have given to this point. The Lord. Let me tell you, if the new player of the Inter-Miami, Lionel Messi, walked in here right now, came on this stage, some of you would be on the edge of your seats waiting to hear the words that he would say. 
because there is this reverence and respect of I need to hear. And these are fallen, not perfect humans who have done nothing personally for you. And when we're talking about the king and creator of the universe who sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sins to save you and has given you purpose and, and the reason you're breathing oxygen right now is because he gives you that possibility. And for us to somehow not revere and fear and respect the Lord. This is a real issue in many Christians' lives. Now listen, a lot of people are believers and they're born again, but they lack the fear of God in their lives. And I believe that many of us have to recognize this in our lives and repent before God. We'll have an opportunity at the end for that. If and when we do, we may begin to experience the presence and the authority of the king of the universe. Can I show it to you in the New Testament? Yeah? Let's go to Hebrews. Go to Hebrews. That's towards the back of the Bible. We'll be there again later before this finishes. Hebrews 12. I want you to go to Hebrews 12. I'll give you a few seconds to get there. I hope I, I hope I have your attention right now. And, and I hope the Lord has your attention right now. And if you came to church, you know, to do or you you know, like, 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 wake up, wake up, wake up. And, uh, oh, this is a church where they take things seriously? Yeah, this is a church where we respect and we revere God. But I want to just kind of a mediocre Christianity. This ain't the church for you then. Um, so, so let's, let's, Hebrews 12. <laughs> Check this out. Hebrews 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Pause. We serve God ex acceptably with what? Reverence and godly fear. For God is our cons a consuming fire. Have you ever seen a fire? <laughs> a consuming fire? So, so, so let's not mistake it. God is Abba Father, our, our daddy. He is Abba Father, but, but he is a consuming fire. He is both. And it says here, we serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Go to Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah writes something, and, and he's specifically speaking of Jesus. Actually, just look it up here. Look, look up here on the screen. Isaiah 11.2. The spirit of the Lord, speaking of Jesus, will rest on him, Jesus, and it says, prophetically speaking, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, check this out, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. By the way, who do we follow? We're followers of Jesus, and if Jesus fears the Lord, do you think that we should maybe embrace and want to fear the Lord? Yes, yes. I want to share a verse that's kind of serious. Second Thessalonians 2. This is in the epistles of the New Testament. If you remember our, our series on the Bible last year, go to Second Thessalonians. Pastor, I don't even heard of that book in my life. It's in the New Testament, written to the Thessalonian church by Paul. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. I want you to hear something here important that Paul says. <clears throat> Paul writes, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, capital D, 
will not come unless the falling away comes first. Pause. Depending on your translation, it might say uh, apostasy, right? Which means falling away. What this verse means that Paul writes is this. The day of Jesus' return will not come unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come. There's going to be a time, I believe we're living in it right now, where a lot of people who did believe no longer believe. Why do I, why do I say this? Barna, do you guys know that Barna does a lot of research, especially in the Christian world and the world of Christianity and, and nationally, internationally. Barna did one of their biggest studies ever between the year 2000 and 2020. How many years was the study? 20 years. And Barna discovered in their team that in those 20 years between 2000 and 2020, over 20 million people who were practicing Christians are, no, are now no longer considering themselves Christians. Many of them professing to be atheists and agnostics. 20 million. That's more than 5% of, the, of America's population. That means one out of every 20 people between the year 2000 and 2020 walked away from the faith now, this shouldn't surprise us because Paul says this has to happen in order for the day to come. Question is, why is this happening? Does anybody have a clue? Because of the lack of the fear of God. And it shouldn't surprise us that Paul says in Philippians 2.12, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. Not just love and kindness, although love and kindness will be a fruit if you're a believer, but work out your salvation, obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. Are you with me? So this is a scary reality. It's a scary reality that a person can believe God exists, can love Jesus, and yet not fear God, which is what causes them to not live according to God's ways, word, and principles. All right, so what is the fear of God? Ask me, ask me, what is the fear of God? Thank you for your curiosity. What is the fear of God? Here's the first line I want to give you. The fear of God is not the same thing as being scared of God. So let's, let's talk about what it's not to help us understand what it is. The fear of God is not being scared of God. There's a difference between fear of God and being scared of God. The person who is scared of God has something to hide. Remember Adam and Eve? They had something to hide. What did they do when they sinned? They ran and they hid. We're going to talk about that next week. But the person who fears the Lord has nothing to hide. In fact, he or she is terrified of being away from God. That's the next one. True fear of God doesn't make you run away from God. It makes you run to him. It makes you run to him. So if you want to know, if, you have, if there's fear in your life and you want to know, is this the right fear or the wrong fear? Because the Bible also says that his perfect love casts out all fear, but it's not this fear. So if you want to know if, if you have the right fear, you've got to check your feet. If you're running away from God, it's the wrong fear. If you're running to God, it's the right fear. Are you with me? Because the things that we do that cause us to run away, because I know it's wrong, but I'm just stuck in it, that's, that's the wrong fear. But when I'm like, oh gosh, this is so hard, God, I need you, it's the right fear. Here's another one. To fear God is to honor, respect, esteem, value, reverence, and to stand in awe of him more than anything or anyone else. It is a healthy, holy fear of God marked by reverence, great respect, and sincere awe. 
So what, what should it look like in our lives? Here it is. When we fear God, we firmly embrace God's heart, which means we love what he loves and we hate what he hates. Are you with me? Let me say that again. When we fear God, we embrace his heart, which means we love what God loves and we hate what God hates. Notice we don't dislike what God hates. Notice we don't eh, play around with it if it benefits us a little bit, but not so much or not in public. By the way, for any religious spirit, you have to be careful with this. If you ever say you hate people, that's anti-God because God loves people and you can't love God and hate what God loves. But what God does hate is the sin that entangles people and that the enemy uses for people to be strayed away or to perdition or live a lifestyle that's out of God's will. God hates the sin. Are you with me? <clears throat> Why does he hate the sin? Because sin undoes, sin binds, sin confuses, and sin misdirects. And sometimes people, you know, you know I, I've, 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 uh, at moments, had the question, and I hear people ask the question. Sometimes people ask themselves, why? Why doesn't God use me how he uses that person? Or why doesn't God do in me or through me what, what he's doing through her or, or through him? Why does it feel like I, I just don't have like that, that anointing, like that touch of God? Like, like why, why, can't, why don't I have it? And I don't know if you've ever felt that way. And I remember going in, in a season of my life where I was feeling a little dry, the Holy Spirit showing me one day, Virgin, it could be because you tolerate sin. A person who truly fears the Lord cannot tolerate sin. And conversely, a person who tolerates sin does not fear the Lord. You might love Jesus and you might believe that he exists, but you don't fear him. So this this. This spoke to me because it helped me understand, oh my goodness, this is, this is the key. This is, what, this, is what, this is the reason why some people seem to have, man, a touch and an anointing and a grace from God that is undeniable. And it's not luck. It's not chance. It's not just that they went to the gym and worked it all out. It's, it's that there's a fear of God, which, which means there's a love for godly things and there's a hate for sin. And, and when you don't tolerate sin, that's a sign of saying, God, I want to be used in your hands. And as much as I love God and as much as I want to be used, if I tolerate sin or tolerate sin in others and don't, don't confront it when needed in love, I can therefore not be an instrument used with the manifest presence and a tangible anointing of God's presence and love in my life. Is this making sense? Look at this verse, Hebrews 1. I told you we were going back to Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews, back towards the end of the Bible. We want to highlight this one. Again, this is speaking of Jesus, and by the way, this is speaking of Jesus, but I think it's something that we need to emulate and follow in Jesus' example. Hebrews 1, Hebrews 1, verse 9, speaking about Jesus and kind of why he was kind of above the rest. You want to know why he was above the rest? It says here, because you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, Therefore, God, your God, has what? Has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Now, do you see the two things on the front end? Why did God anoint him with the oil, the anointing of gladness, more than everybody else? Why? Because he loved righteousness and he hated lawlessness. Hey, most Christians, 
They love righteousness, but not all hate lawlessness. Are you catching it? Do you still love me? I'm just the messenger. When you love, when you learn to love righteousness, love righteousness and hate sin like Jesus did, you will see the anointing in your life increase. The words you speak become more effective. The prayers you pray feel like they're stronger. The, the walk you walk is anointed and graced by God like it wasn't before because you're loving righteousness and you're hating sin. Sometimes you might think, why, why, why don't my prayers seem to work? Why are my words, they don't come out like his words or her words? Why does it seem like my life is saying much? It could be because you tolerate sin in your own life and you tolerate sin in the lives of the people around you. We've allowed society and fear of man and our own fleshly desires to overcome us over and over and over. In today's culture, let me just get real for a second. In today's culture, there's a very humanistic and egocentric mentality, even among Christians. And we have this tendency to put ourselves on the throne of our lives. And we have God in our little genie in a bottle. This is the Christianity that a lot of people live out or that people think it is, where I'm in the center, I'm on the throne of my life. And when I need him, Okay, God today, God right now, in this situation. And, and, and so we pull out God genie in a bottle. That's not fear of God. That's love of myself. That's consuming culture, society, which is exactly what the enemy would have me do. I need a suggestion from the Lord today. Come on out, genie. I'm good everywhere else, but just in this part. Can you help? But ultimately, I want to enjoy my life and eat my ice cream and enjoy the pleasures that I want to enjoy because ultimately that's what's most important. And the voices all around us and the voice of the enemy and culture and society says, it's okay to live however you want to live. It doesn't matter so much what the Bible said. That book, those books were written so many years ago by old people that don't know what it is to live in 2023. Just follow your heart because your heart is pure. That's anti-biblical because Jeremiah says that the heart is the most deceitful thing. But follow your heart because God loves you and ultimately he just wants you to be happy. That's biblical, right? So enjoy your ice cream. Listen to whatever music you want. It doesn't matter the curse words. I mean, they kind of sound rhythmic. It doesn't matter the sexual innuendos. It doesn't matter the blatant ungodliness. After all, the beat's really good. Yeah, and yeah, by the way, go to the concert and soak up that spirit. You'll be fine. It won't affect you in any way. Watch that movie. Watch that TV. Watch that series. Come on, Netflix it up, baby. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the whole storyline revolves around selfish ambitions, greed, pride, and causes you to lust. It's okay. Enjoy it. After all, it's artistic. You're pretty artistic. This is your artistic side. Be entertained. Hey, no sweat. Just lie on those documents. Sign it. 
it's legal, it's, it, but it's okay. Nobody's going to care about it. Nobody's even going to know. Plus, you deserve to get what you want. Hey, kid, you don't need to tell your parents about where you're really going on Friday. You're already almost 15, baby. You're practically an adult. You're so responsible. And the truth is, your parents are so old, they don't even understand what kids your age do in 2023. Come on, live it up, baby. All that occult and spiritual stuff, it's kind of fun. God doesn't care. It's harmless. It's a little witchcraft, the wizardry. Mm, the Ouija board, it's kind of fun. Voodoo, Santeria. Oh, I love it. It's cultural. You're learning about cultures. Yeah. Praying to idols and virgins, demons and dragons. Oh, that's great. It's, it's fun. It's biblical. You'll find it in the Bible. Ah, tarot cards, metaphysics, psychics, horoscopes. It's all harmless. Enjoy it. Pray to God about your horoscope. It's innocent. Hey, hey guys, you guys both love Jesus. Who cares what God's word says about marriage and sexuality? Honestly, it's better to live together and make sure you're sexually compatible before you get married because that's the way it always works best. Then you could really know. And if it doesn't work out, then you could just try with the next one and live with them and enjoy it and see if you're compatible for a little while, maybe six months or seven months, and then try another one, but eventually you'll find the one and you're gonna be so happy. It doesn't matter what God's word says or what your, what your spiritual leaders are encouraging you to do because ultimately what's most important is that you're happy. Hey, of course you should, of course you should request those divorce papers right away. God understands you fell out of love. You're not happy anymore. Plus that other person you're already connecting with, they seem to really value you. That's your true soulmate. Yeah, for sure. The kids, they're already getting older. They'll be over in a couple months. It's all cool. Hey, I know you're attracted to them. Eh, I know God's word says you should be attracted to them, but it's just how it is. And you got to go with your nature. You got to go with what you feel because that's your truth. It doesn't matter what God says. It doesn't matter how God created you. Just go with what the world's okay. Come on. That's so religious and antiquated. Love who you love. Sleep with who you want to sleep with. Do it how you want to do it. Whoever, however, whenever. Maybe switch it one day to the other. Maybe be everything. I don't know. It's okay. Live life how you want to live it. Because it's all about you being happy, baby. God wants you to be so happy. And all these things are going to open the door to great fulfillment. Hey, 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 hold on to that offense. Come on. Don't you go forgiving anybody. He doesn't deserve for you to forgive him. She doesn't deserve for you to forgive him. Hold on to that unforgiveness so, so that they suffer just as much as they made you suffer. That's what you should do. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. Doesn't matter what God thinks. And we convince ourselves it's okay to do what I want to do, even if it goes against God's word, because He understands my needs. And ultimately, all God wants is for me to be happy because I'm the one sitting on the throne of the universe. I am greatly to be feared and revered. When you live at the world's standard, which is usually sin, you deceive yourself and you have no fear of God because you put conditions on God's word and God's ways and you only follow it if it's convenient. So who's God? God or you? You've chosen to accept and embrace what the world says and thinks over what God says and thinks. It's like God talking at the table and he just keeps talking and all you keep doing is crossing your arms looking other ways and God's like, don't seem to be getting through. So, so do me a favor. 
please say Jesus is your savior, but don't say Jesus is your Lord if you are not willing to live according to his word. I'm not offended. I'm not offended if you say Jesus is your savior because you accepted his forgiveness, you repented of your sins, and you received by grace his gift of salvation. But do not say Jesus is your Lord and live a worldly lifestyle that kicks the word of God as if it doesn't exist. It's better to be honest, Jesus is my savior. We somehow turn it around and mistakenly believe that the world, even God, revolves around us. We come to believe that everything in life is curated for our pleasure and our satisfaction. Why? Because we forget or we've never been taught that we have a holy God that needs to be feared and revered. There's an illustration that I think helps point this out. I'm going to release the tension a little bit because some of you are kind of like tense right now. Relax your butt. Relax it. Okay? Because maybe God's trying to speak to you right now, right? I think that sometimes we approach God kind of like we approach going to the zoo. Have you ever gone to the zoo? Anybody here ever been to the zoo? Anybody? Okay, good. First service, it was three people. I was like, nobody goes to the zoo. <laughs> um, just Lane and I, we had the opportunity about a month and a half ago, uh, in June, end of June, we went to Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Colorado Springs, Colorado. By chance, has anybody been to Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, Colorado Springs, Colorado? Okay, I've been to a bunch of zoos. This is the best zoo I've ever been to. I think it's like in the top four of the states. I don't know. It's, it's in the mountains. The weather's beautiful. It was sunny. And you're kind of going up the mountain and going. It was awesome. Our kids were like, we're so tired. So we said, don't worry. Stay with your, with your cousin, our nephew. And he stayed. And we got to go solo. <laughs> so, so I want you to watch this. I could show you guys a lot of videos. But I'm just going to show you just, just kind of our entrance. And you can see, oh, look, our pastors are so cute, right? And then... <laughs> And then there's a moment, I just thought it was funny because we were by the giraffes and Ghislaine, Ghislaine loves giraffes, like her favorite animal, if you ask her, like growing up and all her life, my favorite animal is giraffe. But there was like 20 of them and then she didn't touch them. Like I, like I grabbed this ear and she didn't want to touch them. So, but then, but then, the lion, the lion. Check this out. Aw, look at that. 6,714 elevation. Beautiful. All right, here we go. Ghislaine, what's your favorite there's, animal? There's Ginger the giraffe. Or Jeffrey. Touch her, pet her. I was telling her to pet him. You could pet her. Look at the tongue. Look at the tongue. Well, I had a black tongue. I told you. Black I had tongue. my coffee. Pet her, baby. She was like, maybe. You're allowed to pet them. She was like, maybe, maybe. No, chicken. Oh my god. I'm scared. All right, here it is. Here it is. This is it. This is what I want you to see. This is what I really want you to see here. What? Look at that. That's Simba. Look at that.
I had my coffee in my hand. Pastor Ghislaine had ice cream. We're just watching the predator. Literally, probably about 10 feet away from us. Okay, it's pretty awesome, right? That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. I think this is how some people approach God. In fact, I think this is how some people come to church, like going to a zoo. You know what's interesting about the zoo? There was a parking team that received us outside, and then there was greeters at the front. I gave a $35 offering for me and a $35 offering for my wife, just Lane. Then we busted into some worship with a circle of life and king of the jungle. And I had my coffee, just Lane had her ice cream. Um, there's something about the zoo that's curated for you. And, and what happens with the zoo is because it's curated and it's all about you and me as the guests coming, it takes away the fear and the reverence that you would have for these animals if you were in the jungle. Because I was sitting right there, on the, there was a, a glass, and literally the gorilla was right there. But the, I'm in a zoo, it takes away the fear and the reverence of if I was literally in front, like, like if that, if it wasn't, you know, Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, if we were in live safari in South Africa and that lion's doing what he's doing there, I'm not with my coffee going like this. You know what I mean? Ghislaine's not with her ice cream. And we're not like putting our kids like, go, go, go get close to the animal with our kids. That's Simba, right? Like that, that's not going to happen. You're like holding your kid, you're shutting their mouth and you're putting them behind you. It changes everything. And I think a lot of people come to church and they say, that's Simba. Let's go to church. Go see the kitty cat. Because there's no reverence and no fear because I keep living my life however the heck I want to live it with no total disregard to what the king, not of the jungle, of the universe has designed and intended for life and for the world. How many of you know that's a very different situation going to the zoo to look at Simba and being in the wild on a safari in South Africa. There ain't no ice cream or coffee and there's definitely no Hakuna Matata. With a silly face taking a picture. No, no. There is a reverence of I recognize who is in front of me right now and the power and the authority and the strength. Like it's very different, right? When you look at the lion at the zoo, which is curated for you, you can arrogantly assume that this is your territory because you're just eating popcorn. Oh, look, this is my territory and the little kitty cat's here with me. It's a skewed view. 
It's a skewed view. But when you see a lion in the wild, face to face, you are clearly the guest in their kingdom. I wonder if we forget sometimes that we are his creation and he is not our genie in a bottle. We are his creation. He's not our little kitty cat. We're merely tiny beings within his majestic creation. How arrogant to assume, A, that we're in control of this kitty cat. How arrogant to, to assume that we or the world knows more. Have we gotten so casual that we've lost the reverence? Because we are mistakenly seeing a cute little kitty cat in a world that's all about me. When in reality, he is the almighty. Bible refers to him as the lion of the tribe of Judah, king of the universe, worthy to be feared and revered and respected and held in awe. Here's another question. What, what if the lion wasn't on the screen? What if I said, hold on, guys. You ready? Come on, bring him out. And I brought him out. Do you want to know how tight your butt's going to get? And some of you would probably be all halfway out calling for Warren, the security guy. Because it's a different when the kitty cat's on the screen or behind the glass. You little kitty cat in my world. But when I bring you the, the beast right here in front, it's a whole different posture and position. It's like, your majesty. Because there is something in you that understands, reveres, respects, honors. So I want us to feel a true reverent fear, a holy, healthy fear of the Lord for the lion of the tribe of Judah, Judah who by the way is different from the enemy who roars around like, roams around like a roaring lion he's an imitator in your walk with the Lord if if you ever start treating holy things casually or if you always have if there's not a sense of awe and wonder you're going to start to embrace the other fear that keeps you bound and God is calling I believe you me and I believe his church in 2023 He's calling us back to a true, reverent, holy, healthy fear and awe of God. Now this is, if you ask me, this is pretty deep. We must understand that God has power, but we must also understand that we can't lose our awe and our wonder of who he is. And here's the danger. If you've been walking with the Lord for some time now, you can definitely lose your wonder. If you grew up in church like me, over time, if you're not careful, if your parents are not instilling it, and if you're not seeking it for yourself, over time you can lose 
your wonder because it becomes familiar and rote. Have you ever lost your wonder for something? For example, I remember when I was a kid, the first time I went to Disney and I saw like a real Mickey, like, oh, you know, like, that's the coolest thing. Like a parade, I was like, it messed me. I was a kid, right? And, um, and, and, and I remember taking my kids. Anybody remember taking your kid for the first time to, to, to like the park, right? My, I remember Caleb and, and all three of them, Sophia and Nico, like, you know, and then once we had a breakfast where they came to our table. Anybody do that before? Yeah, talk about a big offering, right? Um, they came to our table, and, and it was like, oh my God, Mickey Mouse was here. Did you hear him? Because there's a sense of awe and wonder. Now, I'm the dad. I'm over it, right? I'm like, man, this is so expensive. Let's get out of here. Like, all right, fine. Take a picture. I don't know. Give him something, right? And Because I'm, I'm over. I lost the wonder. But my kid in that moment has the wonder. But you want to know what's happened over the years with my kids? They lost the wonder. I don't care about no Mickey Mouse. And the danger with you and me is over time. Maybe when we came to the Lord, there was a genuine, sincere first love that Paul talks about and that also we see in the church in churches in Revelation, John writes about that first love and maybe that fire. And I wonder, I wonder have you lost the wonder? That's the challenge as we get older in Christ. That's the challenge. And so, not everyone in church is intimately close with Jesus. We're going to talk about that next week. But Jesus passionately wants everyone to be close to him. But ultimately, who determines how close you are to God? You. Draw close to God. He will draw near to you. But those who are close to him must revere him. They must hold a healthy, holy fear of who he is. Because if not, there's not going to be a manifest presence of who God is. And so you know what the Lord has led me to? The Lord has led me to, to this day, maybe even throughout this series. I feel in my heart that many of us have lost our awe and wonder and reverence for God. And for many of us, we lost that holy fear or maybe it wasn't taught to us. And I sense God's Holy Spirit calling us to repentance. And so I want to do two prayers as we normally do, but a little different. The second prayer is going to be for anybody who really doesn't know Jesus and wants to take a first step. That, that step, I'm a, and that's personal. We'll have our eyes closed for that. But this first one, I'm doing a call to repentance. And I'm going to pray obviously for all of us, but, but I'm actually going to do something that we don't normally do. And if today you can honestly before God just admit and say, God, I have lost some sense of wonder and my fear of you is not where it should be and I want to repent. Repent means I'm going in the wrong direction and I turn back and get right with God. And if, if that's you today, I'm actually literally going to ask you to stand up and I want us to pray together a prayer of repentance because God, Holy Spirit showed me that this is the key for some of you to begin to truly experience a level of closeness and proximity to God and if you really want anointing. And so I'm not gonna ask again, if, you, if, you, if that's you, I, wanna, I just wanna tell you, just stand up and we're gonna, re, we're gonna repent before the Lord together. And this holy awe and this holy reverence, which I think some of us have lost it. And, and I'm not getting up, oh, my, my, my uncle got up, so I'm getting up. No, I'm getting up because I know, I know. I've been coming in to see a kitty cat. Because if my true and 
If I had true and reverent fear, I would be on my knees before God thanking him every single day. I would not take it lightly. I would be telling everybody about it. And I would not miss an opportunity to express my fear and my reverence for the King of Kings. I want you to put your hand on your heart right where you are. And I'm gonna gonna pray in a second, but I wanna give you just 30 seconds, just in your heart and in your own words before the Lord. Just tell him, just repent before him. If you've lost some wonder, if your fear of God is not where you know it should be, I want you right now in your own heart and words, just express that to him right now. lightly forgive us for tolerating sin and sinful lifestyles forgive us for not living and walking with a true reverent holy fear and forgive us for not modeling it and teaching it to our kids the way we should Have mercy on us, Lord. See our hearts today turn back to you, Lord. We want a fresh awe and wonder of who you are. We want to we want to be close, Lord. We don't want to we want to we don't want to miss the opportunity not one moment, not one day to honor you and recognize you for who you are. Forgive us for treating you like a kitty cat at the zoo. Forgive us for treating you like a genie in a bottle when you are God, creator of the universe, king of all creation, Lord, Rafa healer, Lord, Jaira provider, Nisi, the one who fights our battles. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for choosing to live our own way, the world's way, when we've clearly known it's been out of order and out of your will and your word. I pray, Lord, that our repentant hearts today would open the door to proximity and closeness and intimacy. I pray that our repentance today would elevate the level of true, genuine worship in this house. Because Lord, you will not show up where you are not revered. Because if there is no reverence, there is no presence. And Lord, I pray that the reverence in this house would skyrocket because of the awareness of our need for fear of God. Thank you, Lord, for seeing our hearts and for hearing our prayer today. You are great and worthy to be revered 
and awed and admired and worshiped and praised and glorified. We hold you as holy and high, powerful, mighty, beyond compare. No one is like you. Nothing is like you. To yours be the to you be the glory and the honor the power forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vertical Church Podcast. And thank you to all of you who give generously to this ministry. You make this ministry possible. You can always give online by visiting us at verticalchurch.com. And if you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, rate it, share it with your friends, and you can also share it on social media and tag us at vertical underscore social. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.